The Wednesday edition here, talking a lot of football. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, Kilcoin Conversation, checking in with our buddy Frank Bull, longtime sports guy in Kansas City, TV for decades, now still does radio, always uh, entertaining, opinionated, whatever you want to say. Frank Bull talking about the Chiefs. Is Andy Reid really going to retire? Remember Trey Wingo told us last week he thought Andy Reid might retire and that Bill Belichick would step in and take over? I mean, I have no doubt that Belichick would love that job. I mean, who wouldn't? I'm just not sure the Chiefs are looking for Bill Belichick to step in. We'll ask Frank Bull about that. How about Steve Spagnuolo as the heir apparent? Imagine that from coaching the Rams, and it was a disaster. We don't need to go down that whole topic and all the horrible things that went on during what I always called the reign of terror. Maybe it was more Billy Devaney than Spagnola, but the two of them together, oh my goodness. And now this idea that not only does he want to coach again, he could be the heir apparent to Andy Reid. They probably would give it to him in Kansas City. Oh my gosh, think about that. So we'll talk to Frank Bull from Kansas City and Howard Richards from Mizzou, not just a Mizzou alum, NFL alum, but a long time now in the radio call alongside Mike Kelly. Howard Richards talking about the season that was. He was bullish on Mizzou, kind of called it ahead of time. We haven't had a chance to review how good Mizzou was this year in football, but also how that is really kind of jump-starting these big donations. Now, the $62 million donation the other day, $50 million going to the football stadium for renovations. I'm sure that's been in the works for a long time, but it's a heck of a lot easier to get people to donate and get on board when you have a good football team or you have a winning season. And uh, Howard is as plugged in as anyone when it comes to Mizzou. He's a diehard, loves it. So we'll talk football with Mizzou. Maybe a Luther Burden thought since Howard played in the NFL. Where does Burden project right now? And what does he do next year to sort of up that draft stock? So we'll talk some Luther Burden as well, Brendan Weesey joins me at the end of the show. We do that every night, sort of hand things off and chew on the topics du jour. We've got a Billikens game going on with LaSalle. Mizzou later tonight will host Texas A&M. Billikens trying to snap a six-game losing streak, which sounds brutal, sounds awful, and it, and it is, except for Missouri, it's worse. The Tigers are trying to snap a nine-game losing streak, hosting Buzz Williams and the Aggies. It's not a good sign when the local paper, the Post-Dispatch, has a story from the Mizzou beat writer that says, is it possible Mizzou could go winless in the SEC? Oh, my gosh. Is it really? How has it come to this? It's hard to believe. We also have City SC still going on out in California. They're less than two weeks now to their debut at City Park. We had the news on Wednesday, or was it? We had the news Tuesday about... The Winter Classic, Blues, and Blackhawks playing at Wrigley. That's going to be great fun. So, a lot to talk about on this Wednesday. We'll tee it up with Howard Richards and Frank Bull. Also want to tell you about our friends at Altair Travel for all your travel needs. Maybe it's a last-second spring break thought right now or looking ahead to the summer, looking ahead to a year from now. Whatever those travel plans are, domestic or international, business or fun, they can hook you up. Cruises, honeymoons, destination weddings, beach vacations, all tear travel with the expertise to make your trip the best it'll ever be. That's because Altair has been around for more than 40 years. One of the largest full-service agencies in this region. It's unbelievable the work they've been able to do. 
and it continues with a incredible roster. 50-plus travel specialists. That's what they have at their disposal. When you're talking to them about your trip, somebody there has been to where you want to go. So for all your travel needs, it's allterratravel.com or call 968-9600, 314-968-9600. You can stop by and see them in person. They're located in Brentwood, been there for years, right next to OB Clark's. It's All Terra Travel for all your travel needs. Talking Mizzou football with Howard Richards. Boy, things just keep getting better. For that program, uh, the donation this week, $62 million, 50 of that going directly into renovations at Memorial Stadium. I still just say for O'Field, but you get the idea. Uh, Howard, it's been quite a couple of months for your beloved Tigers. It's been a fun ride, Martin. Uh, the 2023 season was pretty remarkable. Uh, fun to watch. Uh, a lot of dramatics. But I think uh, if you're a fan of, of, of Mizzou football, I don't think you'd have it any other way. And coming off, of course, uh, a, a pretty strong initial first season under Dennis Gates, uh, there was a lot of, of reasons to be optimistic about uh, this overall program. And, you know, some of the other uh, sports that had, you know, endured a lot of uh, or just enjoyed a lot of success also. You know, basketball is down this year, this season, but uh, we know the Cavalry is on the way for, you know, the 2024-25 season. So, uh, but yeah, Mizzou football has been, um, I'd say, maybe resurrected, but it was in the process of of being resurrected under Eli Drinkwitz. You could see the steps being taken, um, a lot of positives to take away, even from the 2022 season. Um, and I had a chance to talk to the team last spring, you know, before the, uh, this past season. And essentially my message was, you know, and coaches included, you, you, the, the games that you lost by a total of, you know, four games you lost by a total of 18 points. You know, when you find yourselves in these situations in 2023, you've got to take the next step. You've got to win those games. And starting with the Kansas State game that really was, to me, what propelled the season to where it ended up with an 11-2 finish, um, it was just full of excitement, um, week in and week out. I mean, always something to look forward to. And I'd say the expectations were exceeded, uh, or it exceeded everyone else's expectations. Of course, not mine, because I did <laughs> predict this team to go 10-2. Uh, and then I predicted a Cotton Bowl victory by seven points over Ohio State. So I'll probably never have another year like that again. Uh, so I will take 2023 and, and enjoy it forever and ever. Of course, I've been telling you for years, this Drinkwitz guy is the key. He's going to put him over the top. Now, actually, I've been a bit of a critic saying, let's see if it happens. I think, you know, four years is a fair test. And I thought, well, this is a big year. Let's see what he does. What did you think? You're very optimistic. So you really thought 10 and two. So you weren't shocked that they were as good as they were. Not at all. Not at all. Because I I knew the talent level that's on this team and certainly diving deep into his program from the players that they had on the roster. um, the, The types of coaches that, you know, really, believed in the players that they had, but also, you know, really developing those players, you know, give so much credit to a guy like Curtis Looper, you know, for realizing the talent um, and maximizing the talent of, of an unknown walk-on named Cody Schrader. Um, 
um, and essentially, you know, made him the model of the face of the program. Just, we're going to go as far as, you know, both Schrader and um, Brady Cook allow us to go. And, you know, he did just that in a, in a very humble fashion. But I think it speaks to what Drinkwitz has been preaching about his program from the day that he took over. Um, and the players not only bought into it, but, you know, they lived it. They lived by it. Uh, felt that they had something to prove. You know, so many of those guys came back for the 2023 season. Uh, and, and it gelled. It just it happened magically. And if not for a, a couple of plays here and there, the team could easily have been undefeated in the regular season. Um, and, um, so obviously you got a lot to to build upon. You can you sustain this type of program going forward? And I, and I think Eli, what he's trying to build, uh, he's building it for for sustenance, if you will. You know the. They're looking to be in the college football playoff in the 2024 season. It's pretty crazy how it can swing, though, popularity-wise for a coach and even for the program. Have you noticed that year out, you're amongst alumni and boosters, fans, all of that, from a year ago to this point, how his popularity has shifted dramatically? Well, certainly uh, the winning has really, I think, elevated that popularity. Uh, but I don't know that he did anything differently, if you will. I, I think there were some uh, strategic decisions that he had to make. You know, he, he didn't really necessarily change as a person. He's still cracking corny jokes. And he still had that persona, although I think he certainly matured a lot in his role as head coach uh, by making decisions, making a decision to not call plays. Uh, hiring an offensive coordinator, a young, innovative coach like Kirby Moore, um, that I think, you know, really made a difference offensively. It maximized the talent on the team. And this takes nothing away from Drinkwitz's ability, you know, to call plays or to coordinate offenses or to coach quarterbacks. But when you have a different set of eyes that you can bounce things off of, I, I think it, it, it does things to sort of validate uh, your way of thinking uh, as the overall manager of your program. Uh, but it also gives you the opportunity to focus on other areas of your team, of the transfer portal, of name, image, and likeness, uh, the overall de- development of, of your program, recruiting. Uh, and, and I think that's what, that's the strategic step or steps that he made you know, prior to 2023. And I, I believe they, they paid off. And, you know, in choosing a defensive coordinator to replace Blake Baker, uh, I think he was very strategic about that as well, in choosing Corey Batum. Um, so, it, it, in my opinion, everything I see him doing is to try to sustain the program at the level where it is now. No one wants to go back to 6-6 six and six at this point. That will be a huge disappointment. Um, so, you know, the bar has been set very high for him, and it's going to be difficult. And I say difficult; it's, all, it's always more difficult to remain at the top. It's not an easy um, course to, to follow, if you will. I mean, every coach that has been successful has told you, you know, in order to stay there, you've got to work harder and harder every season. Uh, but I, you know, th- this is why you get into this profession. 
uh, you get in it to win uh, and to be successful. You don't you don't get in it to, to lose ball games and and not be happy with yourself. So this is where we are, and, and I think you know just looking at it from uh, my vantage point, it, uh, it's been fun to watch, and uh, I'm excited about what the future holds for this overall program and for Mizzou athletics as a whole. The former Tiger, current analyst on the football broadcast, you hear it here on KTRS, Howard Richards, former Dallas Cowboy, checking in with us. And the big news of the week for Mizzou Athletics, $62 million donated, $50 million goes directly into football stadium renovations, $12 million into the Tiger Fund for collegiate student-athletes, uh, and I would assume that's going to benefit some NIL opportunities. And that's really the name of the game right now. That. I don't know who that anonymous donor was. It wasn't me. It wasn't Howard, as far as I know. But how that is just massive right now because money is—it's always been in play. But with the kids now, you got to have it if you want to stay competitive. Well, that's the key. Uh, understanding the landscape of collegiate athletics, um, and if you want to be able to stay and remain with the big dogs, you've got to be able to. A, find the money where it is, uh, develop those relationships with your donor base. You also have to develop new relationships. You can't continue to go back to the well to the same donors. You know, I think there is donor fatigue is a real thing. Uh, obviously, I don't know who this anonymous donor is, uh, at least not that I know of, but uh, and I don't know that we ever will. Uh, but the point, the fact remains is that donor is someone that certainly believed in this program and the direction of uh, where it's going, certainly believing in the university itself, believing in its leadership in, in Moon Choi, uh, and certainly Desiree Reed Francois. Um, and that's, that's huge. Uh, it, it, just, it really just justifies everything that you've been doing as a program You've been doing it, at, I think, doing it the right way. Um, and I, I think that's important. It's very important. It's, it's a good look for the university uh, from the standpoint of recruiting. It goes, to me, beyond just student-athletes. I think it also encourages the traditional student to be a part of what they're trying to do at the University of Missouri. And $12 million into that fund, we talk NIL it's a lot of money to go around, and I you talk to programs that are struggling, whether it's football or basketball, and the, the coaches will all say, we just don't have any NIL, we don't have any NIL. So that's, that is a difference maker. What would you do with the system? And is there a way, Rick Pitino has been speaking out a lot lately from the basketball perspective. Is there a perfect model? And are, are we gonna, How do we figure this thing out? Because it does seem still to be the Wild West. A perfect model is... <laughs> I think it's something everyone would love to um, to see collegiate sports arrive at. Uh, whether it is possible, I just don't know. I think it's evolving, you know, every week. And trying to stay on board this train is, is very difficult for for anyone to do. No one looks knows what it's going to look like a year from now, right? No one would have thought that a year ago any of this would be possible, yet it's here. And um, uh, it's interesting to to follow it. I know there's a lot of consternation about the amateur athlete, the amateur collegiate athlete being called a professional. 
because in some ways it kind of taints the, the game in and of itself. Uh, I don't know where that goes from the standpoint of, of you know, the now unionize, which if you look at what the uh, Dartmouth University athletes are doing, uh, is this going to be a, a trend in college athletics? I just don't know. Or, or is that just an anomaly because of, you know, the way uh, the Ivy Leagues are uh, all set up? You don't have scholarships per se. Um, so it, I think we all just have to sort of kind of sit there in the front of the TV screens and, and watch it unfold. Um, you know, what happens with the NCAA? I think there have been a number of missteps, uh, major missteps by the NCAA. Does that mean the major Power Five conferences will pull out and, and govern themselves? Don't know. Uh, there's a lot that we can all speculate on. But uh, in some ways, it's, it's a little daunting. But in some ways, it's also exciting to see the evolution of it. A, that I think the biggest thing, and I know people don't like this, but when a student athlete can now be compensated for his or her contributions to the university. It's a sad day when, when the university gets to capitalize on, you know, a, a great student athlete that just continues to set his record and, and brings in attendance, and he can't, he can't even take his girlfriend out to the movies because he has no money. A lot of that, depending on, you know, uh, um, that young man or young woman's socioeconomic background. But now that's changed. Uh, and, and I think from that standpoint, I like it. Uh, I like it. Being a former student athlete myself, I would have loved to have been able to profit <laughs> like this, especially for those that will not go on and play professionally. Did you just want a They're... date for the movies, or did you want the money also? <laughs> I'm not sure what you were missing out. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, money doesn't hurt. <laughs> I was okay with I was okay with the dates. That wasn't an issue. But you know, the money, you know, it's a game changer to be able to, to do what you want to do when you want to do it and not have to stress about making ends meet um, is important, really important for a lot of guys. It would have been important for uh, many of the guys that uh, were teammates of mine that, that come from uh, even more humble beginnings. You know, I was okay. You know, my, my, my family, we weren't rich by any stretch, but, um, you know, they were able to provide me with, you know, the needs uh, that I had along with, well, then you can work summer jobs. So I had enough money to do the things that I wanted to do. Uh, and then you know, was fortunate enough to go on and play professionally. Um, so I, I didn't necessarily fall into that category, but there are so many others that I knew uh, and even know today, uh, being close to the Mizzou programs, that uh, do fall into that category. So I'm happy for them that they're able to um, – reap some of the benefits of what NIL has brought to collegiate athletics. Since you played in the NFL uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, a little bit with the Seahawks, you know the league. I'm sure you still watch closely. Is Luther Burden a surefire first-round pick? Anything he can do next year to further enhance his status? I mean, I think he's already a name brand, but what do you see from Burden in 24? You know, I see a young man that's really hungry, uh, certainly wants to play at the next level. Uh, I think he made tremendous strides going from his freshman season to what he was able to do in his second season at Mizzou, kind of avoiding the uh, sophomore jinx, if you will. Um, But now you've got another year under Kirby Moore 
another year in the system. You got a lot of those receivers that are coming back. Uh, wow, I think the sky's the limit with what they will be able to accomplish. You know, that second year under Moore could be extremely exciting uh, with with the abilities of the players on the roster. Uh, you know, the, the ability to, A, run your offense and to have the tools and the personnel to do it, but now how much improvisation can go on. You know, I look at the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense, and you've got premier players like Travis Kelsey and certainly – uh, Patrick Mahomes. A lot of their success comes from improvisation. You know that route that is called in the huddle or the particular play can change once the ball snaps because of what they read off of each other. And if you have players that have played together and worked together so much in practice, and uh, you know whether the practices are organized or not organized, if you can somehow include the improvisational aspect of it. The ability to change on the fly, the ability to make adjustments, not just at halftime, but between quarters, between series, and often sometimes during a particular drive. And I think the the players on this roster have the ability to be able to do that. And that just makes them much more dangerous. you know. Um, so that, that part of it, I think, makes me more excited uh, than ever. Because I think you know college programs – have changed over the last 40 years. They, they've changed the way you operate. Long gone are programs where you, you put players into a system and force them to adapt to that system. Now you're, you're, you bring in players that have more versatility uh, and you adapt your systems to the strengths that these individuals bring. And to me, the, the coaches that have been able to maximize uh, their personnel in those areas are the ones that have been successful. And those programs are the ones that can sustain that over time. The one, the only, Howard Richards talking Mizzou football with us. And by the way, if we gave $62 million, we would tell everybody on the planet <laughs> that we did it. And I would also say I don't think Stan Kroenke's in the business of handing out $62 million, And I think if he did, it would be wise to admit it. So I think we could put that one to rest as well. But, Howard, great to talk to you. It's, uh, it's been too long. Let me know next year what that prediction is for Mizzou, since you, uh, na- will, since you nailed will. it. I will. I will. I, I'm not so sure if I want to be in the prediction business, but I had a great year. Sometimes you just got to know when to, when to hold them and when to fold them. And uh, I may have folded that tent once for all. We'll see. So I guess next year when Howard has a bold Mizzou prediction, whatever win total he comes up with, we're going to have to to take him at face value. He nailed it this past year. Nailed the win total. And I think he was being serious that he had the Buckeye win correct as well at the Cotton Bowl. So – we will check back with Howard before August, but when it's August, we'll get the exact win total, and you can take that to Vegas. We've also got soccer just around the corner at City Park, and when you head down to City Park, the only thing better is stopping off at the pitch before the game or after the game or during the game. I said this a ton last year, but tickets are really hard to come by, and if you just want to be part of the festivities downtown, go to the pitch, the beautiful athletic club and tavern that's right across the street from City Park. It's a great soccer hangout. It's quickly become that for fans that love watching the Champions League or the Bundesliga, the pitch, bar, tavern, right across the street. 
all part of the fun there on the west side of Union Station. Latest creation from Bob and Steve O'Loughlin. You can't miss it. And in fact, if you're just looking for a place for lunch and you haven't been in a while, it's kind of fun just to eat lunch there and know that you're right across from City Park. It's always fun looking at that cool stadium or go by for happy hour for a blues game right down the street off a of market. It's The Pitch. Check them out online at thepitch-stl.com. It's Super Bowl week. we got to talk about the Chiefs. They're all over. They've taken over our town. I can't go to the grocery store without a six-pack of Budweiser with a Chiefs logo. My kid wants a Mahomes jersey. It's enough already. And now i got Frank Bowl on the line, who's the godfather of Kansas City sports. I'd rather talk about Marquette Villanova. He doesn't want to do that. Uh, back for a return visit. It's Super Bowl week. Does the hype die down in Kansas City? I mean, it, it, it's not that it's old news or the Braves winning 10 straight division titles or whatever the number was. Uh, does it feel just as exciting? Well, well, before we start that, if you still had an NFL team, you wouldn't have to worry about the Chiefs oh, stuff, okay? Oh. You understand? You hear what I'm saying over here? Well, <laughs> if Clark Hunt would have gone along with the relocation vote, maybe we would have had the Carson Project, which would have left the Rams off the table. But for some reason, Clark Hunt thought that, and he said, oh, I just I just didn't want two teams in L.A. It wasn't about St. Louis. And I think, well, what do we have, Clark? We have two teams in L.A. anyway, but I bet... Don't get me started. The Chiefs are very popular over here. And I, I like Mahomes. I like Andy Reid. I have no problem with the Chiefs. I just don't like people telling me they're our team. I'm like, there are, for some people, they are, not for everybody. So, all of that said, what's the buzz in KC? Well, it's, it's just huge. As you might imagine, they're going for their second straight Super Bowl win. They're going to be their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years, which is incredible. Patrick Mahomes going for number three. Um, and the two in a row would be the first time in 20 years. The last guy to do that, of course, was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, New England Patriots. And I think the rest of the nation, I know there may be a lot of Kansas City fans over there, but the rest of the nation hates the Chiefs right now, so they've officially become the new New England Patriots. Uh, you had Taylor Swift onto the mix, and uh, you know we're the most loved team here in this state, and then the most hated team in the other, you know, the other states everywhere, and probably the, uh, you know, all the uh, all, all the other places as well, you know, Puerto Rico, anywhere else you want to talk about. Well, so, you pick. I think you crazy. picked up a large thirteen to sixteen year old female girl demographic. Okay, because <laughs> they, they love Kelsey and Swift. Oh my God! I'll tell you. And Roger Goodell addressed that yesterday at the NFL, the big media day. He said she has been incredible for the NFL. He said she has added like 330 million fans, all females. And he just said, yeah, I love it. He said, I just love this romance. I love this connection because she has just been phenomenal. And she's never been where, I mean, when she walks in the stadium, obviously she's got the, um, you know, she has a little bit of the entourage. She has security with her, and she has several friends with her that all fly on a private jet with her and all that stuff. But once she gets into the game and all the stuff, I think you saw it after the Ravens game when they won the AFC Championship. His brother, uh, uh, you know, Jason was there. Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, was there. And Jason came over to grab his brother, and Taylor just walked away from, from uh, Travis in order for him to have the moment with his brother and just stepped into the background. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I just think, you know, wherever she goes, she's going to, She's going to attract attention, and that has been – I think that's what 
ignites the rest of the NFL fan bases that really just hate what's going on here in Kansas City, besides the fact that, that they're dominating the league right now. It, it does seem, despite being the defending champs, they've kind of taken on this underdog status. They, they'll tell you, oh, nobody believed in us, and they did struggle for sure. They had more losses than they typically do. But they still are the Chiefs. They're still Andy Reid and Kelsey and Mahomes. Defense is better. Why are the Niners favored? What am I missing here? You know what? I have no idea. But you couldn't play into Patrick Mahomes' hands any better than than making him an underdog. He loves being the underdog. They loved this before they went to, uh, you know, the Ravens. They're in our bills. They're an underdog, you know? It was crazy. The the, uh, Dolphins was close. Chiefs were favored. But the Dolphins was a close you know, uh, as far as your odds were concerned. So this just plays into Mahomes' hands. He just loves this. But in my, the way I think about the game is this. The pressure's on the Chiefs, okay, not on San Francisco. And everybody goes, what are you talking about? I said, if you want your legacy, like Mahomes wants his legacy, if you want to try to catch uh, Tom Brady, you can't miss any opportunity when you get to the Super Bowl. You've got to win that Super Bowl. If he wins it, he'll have three. If he wins it, they'll have two in a row. Last time that was done was 20 years ago. Okay, and who did it? It was Brady in New England. Or it was the last team to do it. So all of these things line up, and I really think the, the pressure is on the Kansas City Chiefs. But they'll take that underdog role, that's for sure. Does Mahomes talk about the Brady stuff? I mean, we all talk about it. I know he was asked about getting more Super Bowl wins. Do we have any indication that that's on his radar? That he, I mean, I know they all want to win, but to like outdo Brady, I feel like that conversation is premature. Well, yeah, I do too, but, but around here they already think he is, which I don't, I don't, he's not at the moment. Okay, he's getting there. He can do some things that Brady can't do, but the longevity of Brady is going to be the thing that might come up and bite him because he's had several injuries. Not that Tom Brady was never hurt, but he's had several injuries from running and doing exactly what he does to be the quarterback he is. But he is not Tom Brady yet. And the only way you get there is to you know continue to win Super Bowls, continue to win the AFC championships, continue to put yourself in a position in order to get to that Super Bowl each and every season, no matter what else is happening around you. As, you know, your your wide receivers are dropping passes. You know, your tight end's been injured, and you've got to use backup tight end for three or four games. You know, being able to overcome those obstacles like Brady did. You know, he lost a lot of players, and they'd bring in new wide receiving core every three, four years. And he'd have to deal with that, and he had to make them better, and he did. And that's part of the legacy that Patrick Bones has to overcome in order to be considered the greatest of all time. Now, Mahomes is the first guy who's going to tell you, no, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, not me. I'm not there yet. I haven't gotten to where he is. Maybe we can talk about that after I'm done, but I've got a lot more winning to do. And he just said at the media day yesterday, he said, I'm a long way from seven championships. Which we all agree. Frank Bull is the uh, Godfather, Kansas City Sports TV for years. What when did you for now radio? When when did you first go to KC? I know you're I, I don't even say East Coast. If you're from Pittsburgh, that's not the East Coast. But when did you end up in KC? I ended up here in nineteen eighty one. I came down from uh, Green Bay and I wasn't gonna stay long. I started my career started late, okay. I was coaching football for a while after I got out of college and waiting for the draft to try to grab me in Vietnam. 
So the deal was I went out and coached football for a while. I didn't get drafted. I had a high lottery number. But then coached for a while, and then went back to school for a couple of years. And I didn't start a business until I was 29. Started in radio. I was going to be a play-by-play guy. And then crossed over to TV. Long story short, was in Green Bay. Came down from Green Bay. And I was going to stay here three or four years. And I've been here ever since. Green Bay era for you would have been David Whitehurst, Lynn Dickey, maybe a little uh, James Lofton? It was James Lofton, Lynn Dickey, and Paul Kaufman. Mm-hmm. I was only there for uh, one football season, and Bart Starr was the head coach. Right. That's how long ago that was. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and they were terrible with Bart. God oh, bless. they were god-awful. Oh, my God, they were terrible. God bless and, and, Bart and, Starr. And, and the killer is you always say these things about pro athletes. The worst guy in the locker room. The worst guy I talked to was James Lofton. And he now he's awful. oh really? Now he's and, the media and then, star. And then he gets in the media, right? Now he's Mister Wonderful. And you just go, you got to be kidding me! You were such a pain in the rear end when you were a Green Bay Packer man. He was just a pain. Uh, well, so. the, when I, the era when I was covering them, and it was from afar. I was in Madison. I was in Rhinelander. I was around the. We'd go up there all the time. But Sterling Sharp did not talk to the media, and he got mad his rookie year because somebody wrote a column and said he drops the ball too much or whatever. And then immediately after, he did get in the media for a while. I think he's now since out. But I was like, wait a minute. You never talked. You hated the media. And then, oh, that, that's a whole nother topic. How about oh, Ian? How about Ian? I love, I love getting those topics because all these people around here are certain athletes that have been here. And I'm not talking about the great ones. Mahomes is great. Kelsey's great. George Brett's great. Uh, Tom Watson was absolutely wonderful. All, all these are. There's some other guys. All right, there are some other guys that were in this, that were on some of these teams that were just, I mean, the the public perception versus the real perception of that person is incredible. It's so different. <laughs> and people, Polar pe- opposite. People, it's unbelievable. People don't want to know. It's, uh, it's, I know they don't. Fans don't want to know. All right, I've told this story. I'm going down. I'm I'm falling down the old uh, rabbit hole here. But I have an an (laughs) older neighbor, retired Secret Service guy, and we will watch like a Cardinals game. And the game comes on. Every time a player comes up to bat, he says, oh, he seems like a great fella. And I'm like, eh, (laughs) eh. Next guy comes up to bat. He's like, he must be a real nice guy, huh? He seems great. I'm like, ah. ah." And I'm like, I don't want to do it to you. And then, you know, every like seventh hitter, I'm like, yeah, I like him. He's good. I like. He's a good guy here. Uh, let, let me ask you about Andy Reid. We had Trey Wingo on the show last week, and he said, "I'm just going to throw something out there." Oh yeah. And yeah. he said, "What if Andy leaves this year or next, and Belichick swoops in? He's got the quarterback." I'm not sure Kansas City's looking for Bill Belichick, but have you heard that crazy theory? And what do you think is going to happen with Reid? I heard, I've heard the crazy theory. Bill Belichick. I don't think they want him here. I just don't think he's the guy. Uh, I've heard the many theories that if Andy wins, that's it for him. He's going to retire. I'd give that about a 30% chance. I'd also give Kelsey about a 30% chance, maybe 40% if they win, uh, that he may step down as well since it looks like his brother's going to quit. Uh, it's going to retire as well. So, But we'll have to see. But that's, that's where I put it. I just don't think Belichick would be the guy. Could be, I don't know. Andy, you know, when he was coming out of Philadelphia, he was extremely successful. You know what I mean? And had been extremely successful. So it, it'll be interesting. Hey, it could end up being your old buddy Steve Spagnola. I was going to ask, would, 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 he, <laughs> would he, now don't get me started on his reign of terror at Rams Park 
in St. Louis. And my theory on I, in fact, somebody I'm friends with in town was friendly with him and his wife Maria, and they did wonderful charity work. They're very generous people and very seemingly good-hearted people. And we have this big argument about him. And I said maybe he got pulled in a lot of directions because he was the head coach. Uh, Billy Devaney was the GM, and he was another Napoleon, and it was a reign of terror. I will never dispute that theory in my head, but he's having a great run there. Would the Chiefs, wouldn't he be a natural selection for the the Chiefs to turn to if and when Reed leaves? You know what? I didn't think so until I heard him this week at the media gathering in Vegas, and somebody asked him, do you want to be a head coach again? He said, sure, I'd love to be an NFL head coach again. And what he might have done when he's with the Rams, he might have learned what it takes, and he might look at Andy and see how he handles it, you know, because Andy is so affable and pretty good with the media, you know. Um, And uh, he he might have seen, you know, I could probably handle it. I could have handled that a little bit differently. And he would have a ready-made quarterback. He could bring in an offensive coordinator because he's a defensive guy. And you just, you know, have to go from there. But I only give Andy about a 30% chance. He does have some personal issues out there. You know, with his son, he's in uh, prison in mid-Missouri still. And uh, after, you know, having an accident with that girl before the Super Bowl where they lost to Tampa Bay just the day before they left. Uh, but the, you know, so there's some personal issues there. Not sure what Andy's health like. There's been no indication he's unhealthy, but he doesn't get around real well. He has trouble, you know, walking a lot. You can tell when he walks on the field, walks off the field. He just, you know, he sort of ambles along and he's carrying a lot of weight with him. So I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I don't think he's going to walk away if they win. Right, is Kadarius Tony going to play? In... Oh, good Lord. <laughs> don't get me started on Kadarius Tony. If he plays, I quit. I'm coming to say, I'm moving to St. Louis. I'm going to move in next door to no, you. No, you're going back okay. to Green Bay. You're going back to Green Bay. Um, I might go back to Green Bay. But well, he, he's not on the injured list. And listen, and I know that the guy's got hands like Roberto Duran. Was hands of stone? Was that what it was? But Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah hands of stone. He, yeah. he did have a couple of huge moments in the Super Bowl last year. Do you think oh, he plays? Dunk. I don't think so. Okay. He's been all over the media. He's been over the all over the Twitter and the TikTok thing. Now he's trying to blame the. He had that Twitter rant about I'm not hurt. Chiefs are lying. Um, it's a personal issue. And then Andy comes out and says he's hurt. He's got a bad toe or a bad calf, whatever he's got, and he's hurt. I don't know what he's talking about. And then he comes back and says somebody hacked him. Then he comes back and says no, I did it. But it was the uh, it was aimed at the New York Giants fans. I'm just going. What are you talking about? Where is your? What are you doing? And I, he just—he's all over the place. I mean, the guy's wacky. You just go. I, I wouldn't trust that guy in the Super Bowl. There's no way in the world. Well, and Andy so, Reid. Andy Reid doesn't do distractions. That—that that feels like he's been eliminated from Andy's play play sheet at this point. Yeah, yeah, and it does, doesn't look good for Joe Tooney either, which is a serious condition. That is, he is there. Uh, I mean, that's a serious situation. He is their uh, starting all-pro left guard. Uh, he's gonna, it really going to be iffy if he can play. And uh, uh, Nick Allegretti, who has sub for him this year, has done a nice job. But he's not Joe Tooney. So that'll be, that'll be a little bit of an issue and something to keep an eye on early in the game. All right, final thought. Are the, are the Royals trying to compete with the Chiefs? So listen, we've got to make some headlines around here. And they <laughs> signed Bobby Witt, and they paid him more than the franchise is worth. Are the Royals suddenly – going for it or spending what's going on yeah i I think uh john sherman and his entire group they have like a 21 
person ownership group. But John Sherman, obviously, he's the he's the he's a majority owner. He has fifty one or fifty two percent of the team. But the deal is, they've been having it's been so much. I don't know how much you followed over there. Our stadium situation is an absolutely is an absolute boondoggle. Whereas the Royals said we want to move downtown, great, and then all of a sudden Frank White, of all people, who's in their Hall of Fame, they have a bronze statue of him in front of the stadium. The whole deal, his numbers retired, number twenty's retired. He is the one holding everything up with the uh, with the Kansas City City Council. He's the executive, uh, you know, he's the executive president of the Kansas City Missouri City Council, and he's the one that's been, yeah, holding everything up. It's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. Did they? So did they he end on? But did, now, did they? Did they fire him as an announcer? Is there some bad blood? Is there anything history there? Yeah, there is. He, he comes out and talks about. It. He said, "Well, that's the last ownership group that fired me. It wasn't this ownership group. It's an entire different group." He just says, "I'm looking at what's best for my people in the city." He said, "We got infrastructure problems, which they do. Uh, you know, we're we're building these streetcar lines and extensions at you know billions of dollars." So we got a lot of stuff going on in Kansas City, and he wants the ownership group, which in some ways you got to understand, these guys are billionaires. John Sherman's a billionaire, okay? Clark Hunt is a multi-multi-billionaire, okay? And that franchise is worth billions. The Royals are probably worth $2 billion, the, the franchise. And the guy who bought it bought him for one. And I'm just saying that, you know, these guys have a lot of money. Frank White just wants them to pay their due. But we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. It's going to go on a ballot in April uh, to whether they continue with a three-quarter cent sales tax, which is they've been using forever to pay for the first renovations, and now they'll put it on for another 40 years hmm. to pay for the new stadiums, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, I'm gl- right but I mean, I'm glad they're spending money. In all seriousness, I mean, that's yeah. a franchise that, that the fan base deserves some sort of commitment that says, hey, we are serious. We're going for it. Uh, we know the Chiefs are going for it. Super Bowl 58 in Vegas on Sunday. Our guy, Frank Bowl, our unofficial Kansas City correspondent, and apparently a Spagnolo proponent, will have that debate. <laughs> we'll have that. Must go oh, back. It must oh, go no, back hey, to Philly. Hold it, hold it. I have a better idea. They'll get an, ex- an expansion franchise in St. Louis, and he'll be your head coach. How's that sound? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that that would be a great question for St. Louis fans. Okay, you get the NFL back, but you get Spagnolo <laughs> in charge. I listen. I think he's a decent guy. He had a terrible run here, and I'm not. And he just fired a lot of people he shouldn't have fired. So I, yeah, I'm not going down that path. But uh, next time we'll talk Villanova because even though Marquette swept them this year, it's rare. We got to enjoy it when we can. I do see you're on the bubble. You guys are on the tournament bubble. I see. So you got to chance. Yeah, they they are not. They have not been good. So they're two up and down. They'll have a great game. You know, have three bummers. I I don't expect them to make it, and I think he's going to be in trouble. Cal Neptune's in trouble now. Villanova is very patient, but I just don't think they're going to have the patience with him that they had with Jay Wright. It's the always excitable Frank Bull, who I texted one time <laughs> accidentally. I'd real, it was twelve thirty in the morning, and I responded about a, a radio hit we were doing or something. Then I realized I sent it at twelve thirty at night, but I believe you were knee deep at that point, uh, deep sleep. So, hey, Frank, thanks so much. Hey, Martin, anytime, buddy. I, at that hour of the night, I'm either going to or coming from the bathroom, one or the other, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Love the energy, love the passion. I'm pretty sure every time we have Frank on, the ending, the last comment or words or sounds you hear is him laughing because he 
said something to crack me up or crack himself up. So Frank, he is a uh, he's a one of a kind over there in Kansas City. Always brings the heat. I also want to tell you about Illinois Recovery Center. Such an important addition to this area back in 2023. A place where your loved ones can get their lives back together. Maybe it's yourself or a colleague, a neighbor, somebody who needs help. They're struggling with addiction. We see it everywhere. Whether it's drugs or alcohol, there is help. There's hope. It's at Illinois Recovery Center. They're in Swansea, Illinois. Awesome professional staff. Many of them have their own story of recovery. Got a variety of evidence-based programs. A lot of therapy. Some folks really do well in group. Some prefer individual. You can have cognitive behavioral therapy. All of these different programs are available. Residential, outpatient, whether it's alcohol or drugs, you can help your loved one get their life back together. You can embrace sobriety in this safe, inclusive environment. Swansea, Illinois, not far at all from downtown St. Louis. Beautiful campus. They went in and gutted all the buildings. It is the place to go when you're ready to make that step, get your life back with this awesome group of people at Illinois Recovery Center. Find them online. Find out more information at IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com.